Hello and welcome to Habe Papam, episode 198, Blessed Urban V. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So last episode, we kind of ended with Pope Innocent's work trying to prepare the way for a papal return to Italy. He wasn't able to go, but today's Pope will make the journey, though unfortunately not for good. But before we get to that, we need to introduce him. So the Pope we're talking about today was born William Grimoire, the son of a French nobility and the brother of a future cardinal. His parents aren't super important to our story, but I do want to pause on his godparents. His godfather was St. Eleazar of Sabran a minor French noble and a third-order Franciscan. He was married to Blessed Delphine of Glandieves, another noble. And when they were married, Delphine told Eleazar that she had made a promise to marry to remain a virgin for life. And St. Eleazar agreed to live as brother and sister with Blessed Delphine, and the two of them spent their lives living out the gospel in chastity, charity to the poor, and regular prayer. So with these as his godparents, William is on a good start. While William's brother rose in the ranks and became a cardinal, William had a great love for the Benedictine order and from an early age entered the monastery and remained a Benedictine monk for the most of his life. Even as Pope, he would wear his black Benedictine habit rather than the white garment of the papacy. Clement VI appointed him an abbot in 1352, and he was later promoted to be procurator general for the order of St. Benedict in Avignon. At Avignon, he served as a papal diplomat, especially working with Pope Innocent's attempts to exert papal control over Italy. In this respect, he came into conflict with the Visconti family we met last time, who had been given control over Milan and Bologna by Pope Clement, but now were refusing to give that territory up after breaking their agreement with the papacy. In 1360, Abbot Grumoard had to negotiate with Bernardo Visconti, an experience which was so unpleasant and even violent that William did not remain long and condemned Bernardo in a letter to Pope Innocent. It was while in Italy that Pope Innocent passed away, and the conclave began in September of 1362 in Avignon with 20 cardinals, only two of them not French. Two of the cardinals were frontrunners and divided the conclave into factions. Now apparently to stall for time, most of the cardinals decided to vote at random without consultation, and surprisingly, 15 of them voted for Cardinal Hughes Roger, the brother of Clement VI. Cardinal Roger, however, declined to be elected, and the conclave continued in a deadlock. Because of the deadlock, they decided to pick someone from outside the College of Cardinals, and they settled on Abbot Grimoire, who was still in Italy. Now, believe it or not, this was a pretty fraught choice, because the people of Italy were really sick of the Pope being French and wanted a Roman chosen. The fear was that if news got to them before Abbot William Guimard could be brought back to Avignon, they might riot or kidnap him or, or do something worse. And so they sent secret messengers to him to bring him back to Avignon. And it wasn't until he arrived on October 27, 1362, that they publicly announced his election. He took the name Urban V, reportedly saying that all the urbans before him were all saintly. So I'm going to pick that name. As Pope, he was particularly strict about continuing his monastic life, even to the extent of continuing to wear his habit, as we said earlier, and keeping the monastic hours, eating and drinking very modestly, and even sleeping on the bare ground. He was generous, though at this time when the papacy didn't have much money, that wasn't necessarily the best thing. And he was learned, and everyone seemed to love him. Even the people who hated the Avignon popes loved Pope Urban V. He continued the reforming work of Pope Innocent and Benedict before him. Now, this was particularly 
true with Pope Innocent's attempts to bring stability to Italy. Almost immediately after being named Pope, he excommunicated Bernardo Visconti, who, if you remember, had taken this papal territory in Bologna, and he preached a crusade against him. But after some negotiation and the intervention of the Holy Roman Emperor Charles IV, the Pope settled with Bernardo, and who agreed to return to Bologna in exchange for peace. The pressure began to build to have the Pope return to Rome, however. The great Italian author Petrarch was writing to the Pope, as was St. Bridget of Sweden, a mystic and a local Roman religious founder. Charles IV came to Avignon in 1365 and brought up the possibility of the Pope's return when he was there. And then word came from the East that the Eastern Emperor was thinking about returning to the fold in exchange for help against the Turks, something that really needed to happen in Rome. Now, on top of all that was the reality we've talked about, that if the Pope stayed away too long, there's the possibility they could lose Rome forever. So in June of 1366, the Pope decided it was time to go back to Rome. The French court tried to get the Pope to stay, but they weren't successful. And on April 30th, 1367, the Pope left Avignon and headed for his, his diocese, his home. He arrived first at Viterbo outside the city, which didn't give him the best reception. And then on October 16th, 1367, Pope Urban V entered the city of Rome to absolute jubilation from the crowds of people gathered. But the people of Rome were still nervous. When the Pope picked new cardinals, he chose five Frenchmen and only one Italian and then one Englishman. And at the same time, the enemies of the Pope in Lombardy and Tuscany were bent on driving him out again. Bernardo Visconti hired mercenaries to, to pressure the Pope. And then in October of 1369, the Pope announced that he had to return to France. Apparently, the Hundred Years' War between England and France had flared back up again and it demanded his attention. Now, the people of Rome tried to get him to change his mind, and St. Bridget of Sweden herself begged the Holy Father not to leave with the message that the Blessed Virgin Mary had given to him through her. She told him, If he should succeed in getting back to his own country, he will be struck such a blow that his teeth will shake in his mouth, his sight will be darkened, and his limbs will tremble, and he will be called to account to God for what he did and what he did not do. Pope Urban left Rome and returned to Avignon in September of 1370, and shortly thereafter, on December 19, 1370, he died. He was a holy man, and he was a humble pope to the last, asking to die at his brother's house and not the papal palace so he could be close to his family. He was beatified on March 10, 1870 by Pope Pius IX, and he was buried in the Benedictine Abbey of St. Victor in Marseille, where he served as abbot, and he was succeeded by another pope who tried to return to Italy, Pope Gregory XI, the last French pope, and how all that happens, we will talk about in the next couple of episodes. Thank you for listening to Abemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Wise Podcast at catholicwisepodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.